we are starting a new uh, series today called Recharge. Recharge. And um, let me get myself set up here. Uh, We're talking about getting back to full when life leaves you feeling drained. And that's our goal. Bottom line is this, in this series, just so you know what we're trying to accomplish, our goal is to, um, we want to help you be there for the people and things that you care about the most. That's kind of what we're aiming for. Being there for the people and things we care about the most. And so we're going to be going for that theme this, ser- uh, this series, and we're starting it today. Is, uh, we've, we've all come to appreciate our devices, haven't we? Um, I, I know I sure do. Uh, techn- what do we do before technology, right? I mean, what, how do we operate before technology? You know, when, when we first, Michelle and I first got married, we had um, oh, no cell phones. When we first got married, we had no cell phones. I remember calling you one time from a pay phone because of car trouble. Remember that? On your landline with the big cord, you know. And what did we do before technology? It's crazy. And, I mean, the children today, you tell them about pre-cell phone days, and it's like the dark ages, you know. You people lived back then? Did they make fire with sticks? I don't know what happened. Um, and nowadays, we have, you know, our TVs, our computers, uh, our products. It's so, it's so nice. We go places, our phones or our cars tell us where to turn. Anybody else besides me remember the uh, giant books, the maps, the Atlas map books? You open them things up, and you're like, you know, they will put me in charge. You know, make sure we know where to go next. I can't see, you know. There's an I-70 somewhere ahead. How far? About this far ahead. I don't know. Just keep driving. Um, so technology has just spoiled us, and we, we um, love it. Our devices, they, they help us. We rely on them for so many reasons, right, from work emails, work things, to play, games or social media, right? Uh, From uh, business to pleasure, our devices, we sure know how to rely on them. And we all know how it feels when our devices run low. You want to see utter panic enter the atmosphere, especially with young people. Jackie's nodding her head, she knows. You want utter panic to happen. It's like, my device is almost dead. I mean, uh, a mad scramble because we, that's, that's like losing my arm or lose my, my charge on my phone. It's, I don't know which way is worse. I don't know. So I remember a couple weeks ago at our house, uh, Jessica and her fiance, Devin, Jessica and Devin were over sitting around talking to us, and Lindsay had left the room, and the couch, our couches have these little uh, buttons you can, you know, push and changes the the recliner or the head's rest, and it also has a little USB port on the sides. And so Lindsay, on her side of the couch where she usually sits, has has a a phone charger always plugged in there, so she can just charge her phone. She leaves it there at night because we don't want it to be in her room all night, so she plugs it in and leaves it there, and it's always kind of plugged in there. So she had left the room, and at some point, we're talking to Jessica and Devin. Jessica eyes it over there, and she goes over there, and she unplugs it and brings it over to her side of the couch and plugs it in. And she turns her back for a minute, spins around, and Devin had plugged his phone in with a charger. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, my phone's almost dead. She goes, you're at almost 50%. I'm at 1%, Devin. And he's like, well, I mean, you know, I'm only at 38%, not 50. And there's this whole conversation because we got to charge our devices, right? we got to do that. It's important. And so it's, um, without them being charged, they can't serve their purpose. That's why Apple, I, I like Apple products. I have an iPhone and my iPad here. Got a very old Mac in my office. Not a big Mac, but it's an old Mac. And I'll take it. Um, <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Um, I like my devices, but they were created to serve me. They were created to serve me. They were created to meet my needs, to meet, to meet the purpose I buy them for, Right? 
That's why they were made, to serve a purpose. But when they run out of juice, well, when they run out of juice, they can't serve a pur- the purpose they were made for. When the battery is drained to nothing, it can't do its job, can it? It can't fulfill its intended purpose in my life. And just like our devices, you and I were all made for a purpose. We were made by our creator to serve a purpose. And that's a good thing, by the way. I know some people, maybe if you've been around a toxic church culture, the idea of God, you know, he's, you know, get busy, you're made for a purpose, and ah, and, and it may be a weird view of God. But God loves you. He created you in love, and part of what makes us fulfilled in, in life is to know that we, there's meaning. We have a purpose, that we, we, we serve something, that there, we can do good, we can make the world a better place or make someone's world a better place, and we can, we can be here for a reason. And that's just wired into our making by our maker. And so, you know, we're definitely in this series talking about you know, taking care of ourselves, understanding that the idea is not so that we can be fully charged to sit on a shelf and do nothing. Any more than my phone is charged to sit on a shelf and do nothing, right? It's there to be put to use. And I want to be put to use. I want to make sure my life is, is, is as my maker intended it to be. And we preach an awful lot about serving, don't we here? Doing good, making a difference. We believe in that. But if your battery runs out, if you end up on empty, if you're drained, well, we're no good to anybody, are we? Our usefulness is impacted when we run out. And so we want to serve. Jesus talked about serving all the time. Jesus told his disciples when they were kind of arguing one time, he said, guys, listen, here's how greatness works. Here's how greatness works in God's economy. In God's economy, greatness is not found in being served by others because you're the top dog. Greatness in God's economy is you are serving others. And, and Jesus actually says in Mark 10, 45 at that time, he said, even the Son of Man, that was him, Jesus, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, I, I left my privilege in heaven. I came to earth so I can live in your shoes and walk and serve a purpose. And, and, and when we're to follow Jesus, we do the same. And God made us to serve and, to, and, to, and to, to live for a purpose. But again, we can't fulfill that if we run on zero, if we drain ourselves gone. And so that's the point of the series. And I understand that as we're trying to make the world a better place, we look around culture today and we've noticed that this idea of self-care is an idea that's emerged in culture the last many years or a couple decades even. The idea of self-care has been a kind of a big idea that's been promoted in, in, in around us. It wasn't always that way. At one point, it was just work yourself to death, please, you know, and you're welcome on the way out. And self-care has kind of become a priority in culture. We, we, we've seen that, right? But it's not a new idea. I think some, some uh, people, maybe some churches are resistant to it. But it's a biblical idea. It's been around a long time in Scripture. In fact, I love a story that is found in Mark chapter 6. Jesus had, had been walking around at that time serving his purpose. He had been healing people who were sick. He had been feeding those who were hungry. He had been gathering a crowd by doing good. And then he would teach the crowd about the kingdom of God. He would teach the crowd about, you know, God's love and God's kingdom, the gospel. And his disciples had watched him do it. And finally, Jesus sent his followers out to do the same thing. So he sends them in groups of two and says, you guys go to all these different towns in groups of two, and you do the same thing you've seen me do. Go out and do some good. 
and then teach people about God's love and God's kingdom and come back and tell me the good news. And he sends the disciples or the apostles, the word apostle means the sent ones, he sends the apostles out to do this work that they've watched him doing. And we pick up the story in Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. It says the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. They're like, Jesus, it's been great. We've been out there getting busy and we've, we've seen some, some changes take place. We helped some people. It's been awesome. Look what Jesus says next in verse 31. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. But Jesus, you'll understand, we're doing some good, man. We, are, we went and got towns, and there's more we can do, and it's been fun, and this is spiritual. And Jesus says, I know. I, I told you to do that. But now, let's go off by ourselves, find a quiet place, and let's rest a while. Why? It says that he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. He's like, guys, you gotta get, you got to recharge yourself here. Otherwise, you can't do all the good you're trying to do. And so in this series, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm taking an assumption that I'm talking to a, a, a room full of people that we're trying to serve others and, and you know, live for something bigger than ourselves. That we get the big, the big Bible idea of, of, you know, living for the purpose God created us for. We get the idea of serving. We understand that. I'm assuming that. That we're not talking about taking care of ourselves for the sake of ourselves, because when we live selfish lives, it always ends up miserable. Because at some point, when you do everything for yourself and you're still not happy, you're like, why am I not happy? And there's just no more places to turn for answers. But, but um, when we find purpose in serving, that's, I'm assuming we understand that. Whether it's our spouse, our children, our parents, our neighbors, our job, our employees, our employer, our community, uh, our charity work, our, you know, our, the people we minister to, in, our, in whatever we're doing. And so we get this. And I'm assuming that we want to serve, but I want you to stay charged. I want you to stay on top, and I want you to be able to continue to be there because if you get drained, well, you're not going to do anybody any good. So we're going to discuss in the next few weeks some different areas of recharging, including recharging physically, recharging mentally, recharging spiritually, relationally, and emotionally. These are some things that we're going to address in the next few weeks. And all of these are so important, and I realize that as we go through some of them, there may be some that you're going to be like, oh man, that's exactly what I need right now. And maybe another one where you're like, ah, that's not that important to me right now. But what I want to say to you is this. This is important. All of these are equally important whether you feel them or not. And here's why. Because all of these interrelate to each other. When you're physically unhealthy, it can affect your mental state. You know what I'm talking about? When you're physically uncomfortable or something's wrong physically, it can affect your mental state, right? When you're relationally unhealthy in some relationship of your life, it affects you emotionally. When you're not well emotionally, it impacts you, your physical well-being. And we can go on and on and make, I can tie this together for 10 minutes here, but you get the idea. Nathan, you said this between services. It's like a chain's only as strong as its weakest link. And so if we neglect any one of these areas, the dominoes can fall. 
We have to understand that, that whether or not we're like, man, I need to work on that area of my life. I say all of these need our attention. We need to recharge in every single area because if we let one be neglected, it can cause the other ones to suffer. And I don't want you to suffer in any of these areas. So we're going to address all of them together for a little while. And I hope that along the way, every time God speaks to your heart about something, and maybe some of the time, he really rings your bell and, and ministers to your soul's needs in a special way. But they all overlap and they all need our attention. Since we're setting up the series today, I know that some of us want to get down to the, you know, some of the, the deeper emotional and, and, and the, the deeper in, internal draining that we have and we want to get to those topics and we're going to get to those topics in the next couple weeks but because we're getting started today I want to take this first week the rest of the time I have with you and just kind of tackle one of them that is important but maybe the one that we would not think to tackle but it's important and that is recharging physically and I, I say that as I say it because I know that that's like, like man I just need to I need to be ministered to on a different level, but, but this is important because it can affect all the other areas. And I've, I've been in church my entire life, and I think most of us understand the importance, but there are sometimes some, you know, maybe some really um, deeply churched, quirky church people who might sit there and say, well, that's not a very spiritual topic, but it is very, as we've seen already, and it's just what Jesus said to his disciples, it's such an important thing to take care of ourselves physically because... If our health fails, we're no good to anyone, to ourselves or anyone. Where our usefulness is affected. If my, if my battery goes dead, if I wear down on my phone and I don't take care of it, it can no longer be a device that is used for its purpose in my life. And it's like, well, it was nice while it lasted, but now it's just it's nothing to me. And so while we try to do what God put us here to do and make a difference and care and find meaning and live this life wisely before we stand in his presence one day, we got to take care of this physical body God gave us. We want it running optimally, don't we? We want it running optimally. We want it doing its best. We want it performing well to do the task it's called to do. We need to recharge. Paul the Apostle understood the significance of this. Oh, by the way, I want to show you this real quick. I'm going to stop before I get to Paul. Rewind. Um, this is like a cool device right here. This is a battery pack. And I never knew these existed until I hiked the Appalachian Trail about a year and a half ago. I started to. We did the first 70 miles starting down in Georgia. And um, that was wild. And I really appreciate this. when you're Because what this is, is this is like, if it's charged, like it's supposed to be, once you charge it, it holds several different charges so that if you're someplace with your phone and you can't plug your phone into a wall to recharge it when it goes dead, you can plug it into a recharging pack. And this is like several recharge worths before it goes dead and needs to be recharged itself. That's very handy. I don't know if you have this or not. But boy, it was nice in the mountains because when you're hiking and there's no place to go, and it's funny, you got to decide what you're going to carry in your backpack, you know. And um, you got 35 plus pounds in your backpack, you got food, and you're deciding what am I going to, you start counting ounces at some point in your backpack because you want to make sure you can go the distance. But I found room for a battery pack because I want to listen to my podcast or maybe my Apple Music or something along the way or, or find a spot on a mountain to call home and check on my family. So, you know, we're with, you know, Michelle's dad and brothers and we're all out there together. But it was nice to have battery. So if you can't get to a device, to plug, a wall to plug into, one of these comes in handy to recharge. And we want you to recharge. We want you to stay fully charged. We want you to be working optimally. In every area, and today I want to talk about the physical side of taking care of your body so it's working well for the purpose it was made to do. 
Paul the apostle understood the importance of this. If you read Paul's writings in the New Testament, Paul talks an awful lot about sports, which I like because I like sports. I like Paul for a lot of reasons, but Paul likes sports, I guess. I like that. And Paul seemed to like, um, there was Olympics in those days. The Greek Empire was before the Roman Empire, and they kind of set up the Greek Olympics, and they were still around and very popular. And so Paul talked a lot about sports. I always wonder, was Paul an athlete himself and enjoyed sports from being an athlete, or was Paul the guy who liked to watch sports on his TV eating a bag of potato chips? I don't know, but anyhow. Um, but he liked sports and talked a lot about them. Here's one passage I want to show you in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Paul writes these words. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. And we understand the idea of this in sports competitions of whatever style. This is, he's referring to a race. He uses other analogies elsewhere, boxing and such. But um, in sports, we know this. Like March Madness just ended a couple, about a month or so ago, right? And in uh, almost two months ago, a month and a half ago. And in March Madness, 64 teams make it to that round. And by the time they got to the final four, there were two of those four teams that I was cheering for still to win it all. I won't say which two because sports are rivalries and all that good stuff. But there was two I liked. And I'm like, man, only one of them, only one of them can win it all. And neither one actually did, <laughs> to be honest, though. Um, but uh, I was, you know, because here's the, in the end, only one team gets the championship. Only one team gets the trophy, right? Only one team hoists the Lombardi after the Super Bowl. So the Rams last year won the Super Bowl. They get the, they get the Lombardi. And here's the thing. Everyone competes, but that's what they're competing for. They're, they're competing to win. And Paul says this in verse 25. He says, all athletes... All athletes are disciplined in their training. In other words, all athletes understand the importance of taking care of their physical well-being through, what they, through the rest they get, the food they eat, the, the exercise they do. They're disciplined in their training, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize, and that's a very important statement. What Paul is saying is as much as he loves sports, as much as I love sports, when you win, when you run that race and you win, you know what you get? You get a trophy or a medal or a ribbon and you put it on a shelf somewhere. And it doesn't matter next year. No one sits there and says next season, well, who cares if we win this year? We won last year. It's already pushed. You move beyond it. You might occasionally look back with fond memory. But as time goes on, it collects dust. As time goes on, the achievements get forgotten. They kind of fade away. And eventually we throw them away or our kids do when we're gone. And Paul said, look, people will train their bodies and take care of themselves and be in optimal condition for a prize that they're going to move on past afterwards. But, he said, we have something better than that to live for. We have eternity to keep in mind. We have, we have causes and, and good that we can do that makes an impact in this world on a much bigger scale. And for all eternity, we can serve the Lord. We can lay up treasure in heaven. We have better things to do. And so I don't just, if, if a person's going to be that disciplined for a prize that they soon forget about, let's be caring for ourselves because we have something bigger to aim our lives after. Verse 26, he says, So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I love verse 27. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete. Notice Paul. Paul talks an awful lot about spiritual stuff. But he says, in this case, I discipline my body like an athlete. 
Interesting wording. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. In other words, Paul said, well, I've aimed my life to make the world a better place and to do a spiritual work. If I don't care for this other chain link, this physical side of myself, if I'm not careful while I'm busy doing all the other important things, helping other people finish their race and do their purpose, I might find myself sidelined. I might find myself knocked out because I got knocked out spiritually over sin or physically because I, took, I, was, I, I, was, I, just, I was drained or run down or lost my way or burnout happened. I don't want to find myself trying to help other people run their race and along the way I fall to the sidelines and I can't do it anymore because I took, didn't take care of my priorities, spiritually, physically, whatever they may be. Paul said, i got to make sure that while I'm caring for others, I'm making sure I'm taking care of myself. Such a big idea. Paul's using metaphors to shift between physical training and spiritual purpose and service. In the end, he concludes how tragic it would be to get burned out and sidelined while trying to help others run their race. Paul, later on, had a young protege whose name was Timothy. Timothy was a young man. Paul raised him up in the faith and left Timothy in charge of all the churches in the city of Ephesus. And he actually wrote letters back to Ephesus, and Paul wrote letters back to Timothy directly, helping him know how to lead those churches in Ephesus. And in those letters, Paul addresses these things a couple times. In fact, in 1 Timothy 4, 8, Paul says this, Physical training is good, but training, this, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. In other words, Paul, who had already in this letter, if you read it for yourself, already been talking about those sports analogies and physical training, now says that is good, that physical stuff is good, but there's something else more important, it's the spiritual side. We'll get to the spiritual recharging a different week. But Paul was like, look, you know, this is more important. But he wasn't saying the other was unimportant. I think I've been around long enough to have memory, I know I have memory, of a couple people through my lifetime in a, a, a religious setting using this verse to say that physical training is not important. That's not what Paul was saying. Paul was saying something else is more important. In other words, here's why it's more important. Because if I take care of myself spiritually and, and, and have that purpose in my life, but I don't take care of myself physically, well, I can do some good by taking care of myself spiritually, but then I'll end up burning out along the way because of my lack of physical care. But I at least did something. But if I only take care of myself physically and I'm vibrant for a long, 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 long time, but I'm not taking care of myself spiritually, I won't do any spiritual good. So he's saying they're both important, but this one's maybe more important, but they all go together. And so he was saying, look, don't forget the importance because you want to finish your race. Remember the last passage we just read in Corinthians? You want to finish the race and not be sidelined. That's what Paul said at the end. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my race. I kept the faith. Paul said, I didn't, I, I, until God was done with me, I didn't end early because I didn't take care of things. I finished. And so Paul's like, make sure that you're wholesome. And not just when it comes to physical training, but in other areas of self-care as well. In fact, in 1 Timothy 5, verse 23, Paul says, Don't only drink water only. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. Now, besides any you know, medical diagnosis of what he means by all that, here's what I want you to take away from that today. That Paul was saying, Timothy, I'm writing you a letter about how to care for leading the churches. This is spiritual talk. Oh, Timothy... You're, you're sick to your stomach. you got to take care of your stomach ailments. 
Well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Oh, it is. <laughs> because, Timothy, if your stomach gets the rest of you, you aren't going to help anybody. And you've got a problem. You've got to address your physical well-being, right? That's what Jesus said to the disciples. Let's go rest a while into a quiet place. Well, is that spiritual? Yes. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to take care of anybody else, right? So you get the idea. I'm taking way too much time to set up something that most of us already know, that we've got to be physically cared for or we can't help anybody anyhow. And I want to make a difference in this world. You say, but Arlen, here's my pushback, just in case someone's thinking this way. But, but didn't Jesus not live very long? In the, it's true. Jesus died in his prime at 33. But that was God's purpose for him. He, he served in his prime, and they crucified him. That was God's plan all along, draw attention to his death, his resurrection, to bring salvation to the world. That was the plan. And a lot of the disciples were, were killed. They were executed. They became martyrs in, in their prime couple of them, like John, lived a long life. Others were killed for their faith early. So one thing, look, that might be my story. Your story or my story, God might just have it that our race is shorter than somebody else's race. I don't know. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. It might be God's plan for you or me that our race ends earlier. And that's in his hands. But we shouldn't sabotage the life God's given us because along the way we don't physically take care of the body God's given us. Does that make sense? In other words, it, it, I might have a short run because that's God's plan, but I don't want to shorten what could have been because I'm, I'm crazy, whether it's jumping off a cliff and trusting I'll survive or destroying the body I've been given because why not? And I think when we're younger, we think I can afford to do that, but as we get older, we realize that it's important to take care of this body. So I want to discuss a few areas, and we're going to be done today. A few areas, I'm going to give you several practical suggestions of ways that you can take care of yourself physically so that you're in optimum condition physically so you can be there for your spouse or be there for those kids or be there for those parents or be there for the neighbor or the people you serve in your life or the world around you. Whatever you want to do that brings joy and meaning to your life, take care of yourself physically. I'm going to give you several suggestions. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, I said this at the end of the last service. I'm going to say it now. Um... I want you to, to, probably two or three of these are going to hit home for us. At least take one of these home today and start making some, some, some moves. So let's just make several statements. And the first one's going to almost seem like I shouldn't have to put this one on the screen, but maybe I do, so I'm going to do it. And that is overcoming substance abuse. Um, a lot of people, we're just abusing our bodies for the things that we put into them and the things that we do, um, addictive behaviors, and whether it's prescription medication that we abuse and misuse or whether it's recreational uh, medications that we take and excuse and justify. And I want to be careful, say this to you. Be careful about how you treat and how you abuse the body God's given you and the life. And I know I, 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 we live in a time where we're like, well, that's, it's not illegal. Or in some cases, it won't be illegal much longer or something like that. And I'm always thinking to myself, Illegal and legal is not the argument you should be going for. It should be moral versus immoral. It would be a better conversation to have. There are a lot of things that I don't think should be illegal because our, our system doesn't need to prosecute and our prisons don't need to be crowded full of people. That's not the best approach in a, in a legal way. But it doesn't mean it's a good idea morally for your sake and for the people around you. And sometimes you got to sit back and say, you know, what's the, am I using a bad argument? Am I using an argument of law to justify a behavior that's more personal than that? And it's a bad justification for what I do to myself? 
So let me encourage you not to abuse your body through, through things you, the substances you use, whether the things you take, things you absorb, uh, smoke, uh, or digest into your body in a number of ways. Be careful that you don't have an addiction that you justify by saying, well, it's not a big deal. Because it will probably have long-term health benefits down the line somewhere. And I know when we're young, we feel invincible, but it catches up to us. And not just the long run, but in the short run, you're not doing much for anybody if you're all buzzed or half-baked or whatever else going on. You're not much use to anybody. You're, you know what I'm saying? We're not doing much good when we're just, when we're just always like, and probably you're spending too much money and you're going broke on those things anyhow. So, so that the church, let's be a place where the pastor says to you, I know, if you're struggling with a substance abuse, stop spinning it or yeah-butting it. Yeah, but. No, don't yeah-but it. And just say, look, I need to address this because for the long term and the short term, this is affecting me physically. And I need to be honest with it. Next point is diet. Oh, he used the D word in church. You shouldn't do that. Diet. Um, and uh, that's another way. This is the more acceptable way that most of us abuse our bodies, right? Um, and by the way, I gotta go back, I'm going to go back to the substance abuse for just a minute here while I'm talking about it. I know sometimes people with substance abuse issues will say, well, you're putting bad things. You eat unhealthy, so you're bad. That's, that's worse for your body or whatever. That's bad, too, as an excuse for their substance abuse. And I want to say this to you. That may be true. But you think about this for a second here. It's a very bad argument for your behavior if the best argument you have for it is, well, you're doing something harmful, too. You know, that, that's, the, that's your argument is, well, you're doing something bad for yourself, too. So, therefore, that's not really a good argument. Does that make sense? That's just like saying, well, I can destroy myself different ways than you can. I mean, that's just, that doesn't work. So be honest with yourself. Put the excuses aside and say, am I taking care of the body God's given me? That's important. But diet. And I don't just mean like a starvation diet and all that nonsense. Look, I, that's not what I mean. I mean, putting, look, I'm not preaching to anybody here, but if, if, I, this is meant to be an encouraging series. And the first week I'm talking about the physical stuff. So like, oh man, that's not what I was coming to this for. I get it. But we have to start somewhere. And I'm preaching to me right now. Can you still see me in the camera? I'm, I'm preaching to me right now. Okay? This is me. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm okay with certain things. I'm good at the intermittent fasting, 16-8 fasting. I'm good in the early part of my day, but I'm going to confess to you, I'm, it's when nighttime comes and the work day is done and I'm tired and there's something to watch or something to do, oh man, if there's nothing junky to eat around, I'm probably griping about it, but at least I probably won't, go get, I probably won't get it, I'll just, I'll just moan. But if it's there, if it's there, I'm like, I couldn't help myself, it was in the house. So that's why I'm pretty easy on people with addiction problems because I get, I mean, I'm not easy, I'm like, we ought to do better. But I understand what it's like to sit there and say, I couldn't stop myself. And so I need help, okay? I need some, I need, I need uh, uh, I, I, Michelle's better at this kind of stuff. I need some, I need a rigid discipline plan. Someone like, you know, this is exactly what you're gonna eat and when because I'm very bad at, at this. So I'm preaching to me. But here's the thing, our diet, and look, I got bad genetic markers, my dad's you know, type 2 diabetic. He had, it, my dad had quadruple bypass surgery and a 100% carotid artery or 99% carotid artery in his 50s that had to be dealt with. And I'm 48 now, so I understand the challenges I face. And so this is important for me and for you because here's the thing. Our, our, our health can take years off of our life or it can affect the quality of our short-term health. If I'm physically abusing my body with my eating habits, 
I'm not operating any day at my best. I'm not giving my best to anything I'm called to do. I'm, I, I didn't make it to that thing today because I just was so run down. I didn't do this. I, I had to check out early for that. I couldn't do as much because, because I'm not taking care of myself. So short-term and long-term. Quantity and quality of life in the short run is affected by how we take care of our bodies. Moving on quickly, right? Moving on. Sleep. Sleep. Now this is this is like, all right. I, I like this one. I'm asleep right now in church. You know, I got don't not drink church, people. Not drink church. Come on. But no. Here's the thing. Sleep is important. This is a very big idea. This is not Arlen's opinion. This is not some old wives' tale. Did you know that scientific studies have been done for a long time now? In-depth studies with lots of participants have done over many many years by many different groups of people. And consistently, the consensus has been that our bodies operate the best way they should for the long term and the short term when our bodies get eight hours of sleep a day. The, the, the markers, and this has been studied over and over again, people sleeping eight hours a day versus those who sleep seven hours a day or less significantly perform better and have significant long-term health benefits. Now, you can oversleep. If you sleep nine or ten hours a day, you could have negative benefits from too much sleep. But under-sleeping under is the biggest problem, and we, we are all part of it. It's not just because we're working too hard either. It's not just because of working too hard. It's because we're Netflixing too hard and video gaming too hard and on our phones all night long checking on things. I understand. It's easy to do. But here's the thing. We have to understand that um, the nighttime me, the nighttime you, is sabotaging the next day me and you. It's our worst enemy over and over again. And sleep, there are, I think I've read this so many different places through the years, there are like nine consensus, nine consensus different reasons, or nine consensus benefits to the short-term and long-term quality of your life from getting eight hours of sleep a night. And some of us aren't coming close to that most days. Not just once a week, but consistently. So it might just be turning in earlier or doing something, but we got to sleep. You know, some companies prioritize this. There are big companies with more money and better positions than we work at, like at Google headquarters and Amazon and Apple headquarters. They actually have what they call nap pods at their job. Think about this. They basically, in their, in their white-collar level jobs with money, apparently, they say to their employees, we don't hire you to do a certain number of hours per day. We, they, they, smarter, they say, we hire you to get a certain amount of work done, a certain, do a certain job. So if it takes you longer than that, oh well. If it takes you less than that, good for you. But just get the work done. And so if people go to work and they're struggling, they're like, go, take a, go to the room and get, a, get in the nap pods and, take a, and rest as long as you need to. We don't care. Why? Because they're saying your quality of work is affected by your amount of sleep. Now most of us at our jobs aren't giving us, I mean, they're not giving you nap pods, are they? Back there in the back, I didn't think so. They're not helping us out, right? Vito's is installing a nap pod any day now, I think. No, they're not. Okay. Most of us, we don't get that benefit, right? But here's the thing. We work 40 to 50 hours a week, and we have 168 hours in the week. So at some point in the rest of those 110, 120 plus hours, get the sleep you need, because the rest of your life will be better if your body is rested in the short term and the long term. Next is exercise. Now, when I was young, exercise when I was young was something I could do. I didn't, I didn't exercise. I didn't have to eat right. It, nothing, you know, I was, I was fine. And then I got a little older and I realized I have to exercise a lot more if I want to eat the way I eat. And then I got older and realized it's all, it's all losing bad. I got to do both anyhow. And I understand that. But here's the thing. Diet and exercise serve different purposes in our life. They, they serve different parts of our health to be a whole person. 
And, and exercise is important in our life to help us um, with our genetic markers. And so whatever that looks like to you, strength training, cardiovascular, um, you know, keeping our body, body muscles strong as we get older. So here's a, here's a story for you. There's a man who used to be in our church named Rollin Ring. Most of you don't know Rollin. You know him, Nathan. Uh, Rollin was a deacon when I first became pastor at Lighthouse. And he's almost 88 years old right now. 88 years old. And he's, uh, he lives in South Carolina now with his kids. I talked to him. 88 years old. He's still sharp as ever. Sings beautifully still. Um, Rollin... When he was in his mid-70s, his doctor started to tell him every single day in his mid-70s to start doing 10 squats a day. I think he could, I mean, it was two times a day, 10 squats, but use a chair to hold on to whatever, but just do squats every day. And just be, to keep his legs strong so they wouldn't deteriorate at that stage of his life and shorten his ability to get around. And, he, and he's did it. And he, he started cutting out sugar from his life. He's in great shape in his eight, upper 80s now, and I'm glad for him. But, but just taking care of your muscle tone and your muscle well-being. Or exercise, running. I hate running. Steve, I told you I was going to point you out here. You love to run. You, you run. I, you convict me. Every time I see you do it, I'm convicted. and I'm challenged by it. I hate it. I don't like to run. If you, if you ever see me running, if you're ever somewhere and you see me running, you probably should run and catch up with me because something's coming. That's why, that's why I'm running, okay? Just join, join in. Ask questions later. I'm just going to try to outrun you because the best way to survive is to outrun you, right? But here's the thing. I don't like it. I should. I, I need to do it. But you know, if, if, if you aren't an Olympian, you're not going to be Mr. or Miss Universe, at the very least do something. If nothing else, take a walk. Now, this is kind of a running joke in my office in my team here, you know this, uh, some of you know this, this is a running joke. Here's Arlen talking about taking a walk again. It's like a broken record with me, right? Take a walk, take a walk. You know, well, I believe in it. If you're ever with me, when I'm preaching, what am I doing? I'm taking a walk up here all the time. Like, I won't stand still. If I'm on the phone with you, if you ever talk to me on the phone and you want to picture what I'm doing, I'm walking, I promise you. I have to take walks with Michelle, a few miles a day, most days of the week, even longer, in rougher terrain at, at forest preserves from Good now over to near your house, Ruth, over there in uh, the Arboretum. Uh, we, like to, we like to walk wherever we can and get some miles under our feet because walking's good. Uh, when I'm praying, I like to walk when I pray. So this is my shtick, and so you're going to roll your eyes after a while. But take a walk. There was a man that we knew years ago in ministry who got diagnosed with brain tumors, and they told him there's nothing they could do to treat them, and it was going to get him. But besides the, the treatments they were giving him to try to slow it down, they told him, if you would take some walks, it might give you some more time. And he began to walk several miles a day from that point on. And he actually outlived his expectancy by years. Now, this is not medical advice. Go to the doctor, do what they say. But walking is so good. In fact, my mom used to clean houses for a living when she was, uh, uh, my dad was pastoring and she was cleaning houses on the side. And she cleaned for a man for a while named Clayton Klein. He wrote a book. You should look up his book, by the way. Clayton Klein. He died in his mid-90s. But Clayton, he began to walk a lot. And by the time he was retired, he had started a tradition of walking the entire state of Michigan. He was started in the Upper Peninsula and walked all the way down through the state of Michigan. That's not quite Texas, right? But it was still a pretty big state when you go the long ways. He was walking... Um, the state, and it, he would stop at a person's house. He got, got well-known for it, so people would put him up. He would stop at a motel. He would eat. But over a course of a month or however long it took him, every year he'd walk the state of Michigan long ways. 
And he did this until his mid-80s when he twisted his ankle one time and he couldn't finish and they never walked that far again. But even after that, he walked locally a lot until he's like 92 or 93 years of age. And at some point he couldn't do it anymore and he died a couple years later. But he always inspired me with the, just keep, look, just keep your heart going, keep your body, do something, you know, do something and be, and be, be at your best. Next is this one, and this is important, medical checkups. Again, I know I'm, I'm meddling, so let me pick on myself. I am a hypocrite. I am very good at telling everybody else to go get that thing checked out and not going to get checked out. So anybody else want to confess that you're good at telling other people to get checked out, but you don't go get yourself checked out? Am I the only guilty soul in here? I'm the only one I'm willing to admit it in here. That's what's going on, okay? A bunch of liars in this room. I'm going lying next week. So here's the deal. Um, uh, I'm bad at this sometimes. But as we get older, it's important to do regular checkups because early detection can add years to your life. Just early detection. And I know I'm, I'm, it's, it's important. Look, if, if, if I drop off, if, you, if I'm gone before next week or before the series is over, before next year's up, something happens to me with my genetic markers, it's because I probably didn't change my diet and I didn't get checked up. So I am preaching to me, Okay. But, but I need to and we need to just do that as we get older. And even when you're young, we had a friend in college at age 26. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer, stage 4, died in a month. And if you're young and you've got some warning signs, don't ignore them. Go, get, go figure out what's going on. You say, ah, but it's inconvenient and it costs money. I know, but it's a whole lot worse if your body is wrecked. So by all means, do something to take care of yourself. Don't ignore it. Get in front of the problems. And this last one, and I'm going to be done, this last one is almost going to seem out of place. In fact, you might raise your eyebrow and say, Arlen, why did you put that in this list about physical care today? But it's important, and I want to give it a nod, and that is hygiene. It might seem trivial, but it has an impact on your effectiveness and your self-confidence is hygiene. It's important. Um, you know, we learned this at a young age. When your kids are old enough to start bathing themselves and you're like, did you take a bath? <sighs> you know, okay. Did you take a bath? Yes. Did you use soap? <sighs> you know, okay, go back and use soap. And um, at some point you're like, and then if they get to be teenagers and puberty starts hitting at some point, if, you don't, if they don't listen to you, their friends might tell them, hey, dude, you know, <laughs> uh, you know just the desire for, uh, you know, companionship might make you go, hmm, okay, I'm doing okay here. But hygiene, listen, here's the thing. It's important. Now, I'm not, I'm not being littling anybody at all. Um, I'm just telling you a story. I almost not, didn't tell it. But when I was a teenager working at a grocery store, my first job, we would pack the groceries, and then we would go stock the shelves when we weren't packing groceries. And I remember there was always this couple that would come in, and every one of us as packers would just fight to not work that lane when they were in getting their groceries. And we, we would actually, like, make the new guy. I was the new guy one time. I got that bad deal. Get the new guy to check out that lane because, man, as soon as they got to the cashier, it was just rough. It was so bad to take them out to their car. And I'm not, I, look, I, we were young. I wasn't smart enough to feel bad for them. I, we just maybe, it was, it was funny to us at that age. But looking back on it, um, it just reminded me, you don't want to be the person that everyone sees you coming and they run, you know, and so take care of yourself, and it, it will limit your effectiveness, and this is important, um, it will limit your self-confidence. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. When you, when you like your outfit one day, 
When your hair turns out right, then you got an extra spring in your step. You're good to go because you feel good about yourself. You know what I'm saying? And taking care of yourself is the opposite of the person who's down and so they don't take, so they don't take care of their body, which makes them more down. So they not, you know, just a spiral. And so, but just hygiene is just, just one of the best things you can do is just take care of yourself and it will help you in so many ways. So I had to put that in there today because it had to go somewhere. Now, I realize that to somebody somewhere deep in the church world, this might not seem super spiritual, but as we saw in Scripture earlier, it is. And as my team reminded me as I prepared this message, they reminded me, there's plenty of verses we saw earlier, and there are others as well, that say this is a spiritual matter. It affects the whole of your life. If we refuse to believe this is a spiritual topic, that's our choice. But God cares about you. He made you, he has a purpose for you, he cares about you. And you take care of what he's given you. And, and, and if, you, if this is the first time at church hearing someone say something like this, it's forgive, that's the church's fault. Shame on us. Because this is something that God cares about because he cares about you. And by the way, and I'll wrap this up, before this sermon series is over in a few weeks, I'm gonna share with you one of my favorite Bible stories I'm going to keep it in my back pocket for now. I'm not going to show it. It's in my back pocket, okay? It's my favorite Bible stories. And it's a story where we see God showing what we're talking about, the importance of physical care, emotional care, mental care, and all the things that we're going to talk about to someone who is busy serving him in a remarkable, clear, unmistakable way. When that's, by the time we get to that spot, you should be like, oh, okay, this, this is important. But I'm going to save that. But today I hope you'll understand that how you care for yourself matters to God. We saw that in the life of Jesus earlier. Let's go apart to a quiet place and rest a while, get something to eat, guys. I know we got some things to do, but we got to take care of ourselves. So as we talk about recharging for the next few weeks, most of us agree that serving others is a life priority that Jesus modeled and taught, but in the end, our ability to take care of ourselves as we go is what makes it all possible. We've got to recharge. We've got to make sure we're running optimally to help somebody else. These are handy, aren't they? Does anybody have, do you, anybody besides me have one of these? I have a bigger one. You got, you got one of these? Anybody need one of these? You're like, oh, I, could, I could sure use one of those. I, I got one here with you. Anybody say, I could use one desperately. Raise your hand. Anybody here, I, I, could, I could use one desperately? Amy, I saw your hand first. And I think if I miss somebody, it's not my fault. I, I'm blind. Um, physical care. Um, Amy, this is for you. I'm going to give this to you. And uh, there you go. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Use that on the airplane, right? <laughs> Absolutely taking care of uh, the flights in Southwest. Um, how many years have you been a flight attendant now? 16 years. Is that your first charger to take with you there? Okay. But anyhow, you did? Well, next week about taking care of your stuff. We're going to talk about that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, for today, here's what I want you to do. Um, I'm going to give you some questions. I'm out of time. I have some questions I want you to take. And we'd like to give you discussion questions at, in, in these sermon series like this for you to take home with you and discuss by yourself to think about or to discuss with your family or if you're in a small group to discuss with your small group. But I'm out of time. So Nathan's going to have the list of questions. He already does. He's going to post them on our, if you're not following our Facebook page or our Lighthouse Church in the Loop Facebook group, join the group. We're going to post the questions there this week and you can read the questions and talk about them as a family or as a small group or whoever you got there, okay? But um, the questions will be online. For today, here's what I want you to do. Probably two or more of those, three of those areas or so 
hit home with you and me. What I want to ask you to do is pick one area, just one. It's an overwhelming, right? Pick one area that we mentioned today and say, I'm going to start there. Pick one area. Maybe it's sleep. Maybe you're like, I just need to start sleeping adequately at night. I'm running myself into the ground. Nighttime me is killing next day me all the time. I need to get more sleep. I don't care what it is. Pick one area we discussed and leave here today and say, I'm going to work on that one area, get better at that, and then work on another area later on. But pick one and let God help you take care of the body and the person he's given so you can be at your best and you can serve others the way our devices serve us when they're working properly.